Welcome back to the Multipod. It is a pleasure to be with you again today. My name's Ted. I'm your host again this time out. This is episode 52 of the Multipod, where we explore the lives and stories of multipotentialites, people who have multiple interests, multiple passions, and we all come together in a group called the Putty Tribe trying to figure out what to do with them. And on that theme, we have a great guest for you today. Her name is Leah Wegg. She is one of the original members of the Putty Tribe, going back uh, nearly eight years. And aside from short gaps, she's been part of the group pretty much for that whole time. Leah and I chatted today about her path to becoming a multi-potentialite and identifying as such, and how that's impacted her work, the type of work that she does. She's a freelancer. But she has a great story of how one skill and one opportunity, one connection turned into others and into others, and it started off this chain of basically jobs that's kind of led her to making a living in a wholly unexpected way. It's a great multi-potentialite story. If you've been part of the group for a long time, then I'm sure you'll be familiar with Leah, and it's great to get to know her a bit better and hear her voice and get some of her backstory, a source of inspiration for how she has navigated, again, the multiple interests and skills, and been able to uh, build a very satisfying multi-potentialite life out of it. So this is our conversation today with Leah Wegg, and we hope you enjoy it. So uh, I'm very pleased to be joined by Leah Wegg, who is joining us from Florida yeah. in the United States. Leah, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Thank you. Great. Well, I've been meaning to have you on the show for a while. We've chatted off and on about podcasting stuff and audio and this and that, freelancing type things. And so it'd be nice to really dig into that on this uh, episode. And in some of our planning ahead of time, as we were chatting about a certain topic, and Leah suggested an interesting idea, which is, um, I'll use her description. She says, what if we talk about indirect, the, un- the indirect, unexpected paths, multipotentiality, can take you on. So this is an interesting topic. It's something we can certainly expand on a lot and and kind of find our own interpretations of that, I guess. That's exciting. But for starters, I definitely want to hear some more about Leah and and your background. Now, it says you joined the Putty Tribe way back on October 25th, 2012. Yep, I'm an old-timer. Yeah. What was it? We've met a few people. Neil Hughes was on the show there about a month or so ago. And he dates back to like 2014 or something. But you must be one of the very, very first uh, members. Do you remember what it was like back in the early days? Oh, it was bad. We were writing on stone tablets, all that. <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember offhand exactly when the Putty Tribe started, but it was pretty, it wasn't too long before that, I, I think. Do you remember what kind of brought you to the group in the first place? Um, I don't exactly remember because it was so long ago. <laughs> yeah. But... I do remember that I came over from, I think it was Michelle Ward's site, and I don't know if that's still around, but I I was reading the Putty-like blog for a while, and then I decided to join the community just to see what it was about, and long story short, here I am still. Well, I yeah. left for a little bit, but then I came back, so. Okay. Well, how have you seen the community evolve over the time that you've been part of it? Hmm. That's a good question. As I said, um, I uh, left for a year or two, and then I came back because I missed I missed the sense of community and just the understanding that comes from being a part of the tribe. And I don't know, pe- people have left 
new people are here. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm one thing that has not changed is the the business morning huddle that okay. goes on in Wednesday mornings, and that was around when I was part of the tribe back then, and it's still here, so that's nice. Yeah. Do you um, get involved in in other huddles and kind of events in the group? I actually am just now starting to get back into the morning business huddle, but it's good to just, you know, have that sense of community, as I said. Sure. Well, that's amazing to think you've been part of it for such a long time, even if you did step out for a little while, but it makes you realize that's 2012. So now we're 2020 and it's basically coming up on eight years, I think at least since this thing's been around. So well, tell us a bit about what you do. If if we ask you the proverbial question of uh, of what do you do <laughs> for work and for life, uh, what are you up to these days? Well, for work, I am a freelancer, and I freelance for in several different capacities. I lay out print books, hmm. I format eBooks, and I work in part time in marketing. So okay. I kind of think of it as having slash freelancing gigs as you, you might be familiar with the slash term from Emily's book, How to Be Everything, or just sure. like seeing that on her blog. And when I'm not working, I like to read, I like to write, I play piano, I sing, hmm. dabble in the ukulele. And yeah, cool. I like playing games and watching anime too, so I'm kind of geeky in that sense. Yeah. Uh, how long have you been doing the freelancing work? Um, I started freelancing around... 2013-ish, around there. And it's kind of funny because when I started freelancing, I did not intend to start freelancing. Hmm. In what way? What happened? So I actually got into freelancing through a paid remote audio intern gig. Hmm. And the way I got into that is kind of a funny story, like starting, growing off of the indirect, unexpected ways our monthly potentiality can take us through different paths in life. I got that freelance audio intern gig by, okay, so back then I was into making song parodies about games Hmm. because I was in the video game fandom and that was my way of contributing and I would make those and they were just for fun and I didn't really expect to do anything with them. And uh, in the same vein, I was also looking into starting a web novel that hasn't happened yet, but you know, maybe someday. (laughs) And I was researching other web novels that were out there just to get a sense of what was involved, whether people were doing. So I was, I found one web novels page and that led me to a small publisher. They were publishing like comics and novels and all this. Hmm. And they were, they had posted that they were looking for a paid audio intern. And I was like, Oh, this is so cool. I really like the company's mission because they were publishing web comics and you know novels, as I said, specifically targeted at women. Not like they were excluding other audiences, but that was yeah. kind of their goal, which I was like, awesome. And so I applied. I didn't really have any experience with, like I did not look great on paper to um. be blunt, <laughs> but I had the passion and they accepted fan works in applications, which was very fortuitous for me because I could at least show them that I had worked with audio with those game parodies that I had done before. Mm-hmm. And so that led to months of not hearing a reply back. And so I finally just decided to reach out to them and just be like, hey, have you filled this position yet? And they okay. got back to me and they said, 
no, would you like to hop on Skype and discuss what it entails? And if you want the position, it's yours. Really? Wow. It's a lesson in persistence in a way that, uh, you know, it would have been easy to, to just kind of forget about it or give up or assume that they'd forgotten about you, right? Yeah. But uh, you got nothing to lose to at least reach out and, and find out for sure and look what happened. Yeah, I just took an email. And they actually told me later that they had interviewed someone before me who looked really good on paper, but they didn't huh. really align with the company's mission and our values. And... They also said that they were impressed by me reaching out to them in the first place and just going off and just checking in like that. So it does pay to be persistent, I guess. Sure. So that kind of opened the door for you. What what kind of work were you doing in that first? So they were producing podcasts and audio dramas. Hmm. And audio dramas are just like radio plays, you know, from olden times. But yeah. And so I was helping them out with... It started out with just basic tasks at first. I would just be like cutting out ums and ahs and awkward spaces from the podcast to start, for instance. But as I grew more comfortable with that and they grew more comfortable working with me, they let me work more creatively with the audio dramas. And I would actually help them time lines so they sounded natural when the voice actors were speaking and everything, for instance. Mm-hmm. And that was fun. I really enjoyed that. Hmm. And that just just kind of grew from there. What year again was that? I started around 2014, I think, because I had applied in 2013-ish. Right. And then uh, that led to, I guess, in many steps to what you're doing today. You know, and this kind of relates back to our initial discussion about, uh, as you said, indirect, unexpected past. Like, you talked about how you got that first paid audio intern, which led to your current freelancing work in publishing. So it's been a few different kind of steps along that way. But as we do as multi-potentialites, I mean, especially we follow our interests, we kind of follow our nose and we tap into whatever skills we have or, or, or create and find new skills, right? What happened? Or Well, how long did you stay as an intern then? Um, I stayed on as an intern for about six months, somewhere in that time frame. Mm-hmm. And after that, they asked me if I wanted to stay on as, you know, freelance staff, part-time staff. And I said, yeah, that would be awesome. That And I transitioned into helping them more with administrative stuff. I would help them with maintaining the website and posting up new, I guess you would call them listings or products or whatever, for instance. I would help them lay out the actual magazine because they published in a magazine format and then they would publish completed stories and comics into actual books. So I would help with that. Had you had any layout experience, publishing experience? No, <laughs> I was learning on the job and nice. they were and they were willing and happy to train me, which was really awesome. And I really liked that because, you know, as a multi-potential, I, I like learning new things. Yeah, that's great to have the opportunity. Were you doing this uh, remotely, remote work or in person? Yes, it was all remote work. Uh, at one point, I was working from China oh, yeah. when I was living with my sister and her family for a while. So, yeah, it worked out. Right. So, are you still doing some work for that company? What was their name again? Um, the company was called Sparkler Monthly, and unfortunately, they're going under. Oh, no. Yeah, it wasn't profitable enough, which makes me very sad because, you know, if you couldn't guess by now, I loved working with them and I loved what they did. Yeah. But it's not all doom and gloom, at least not for me, because when they announced that they were having to shut down, they were very open to 
helping staff and creators like kind of segue into other gigs if they were able to help. Thanks to their help with that, I was able to get another job at, this is also part, a part-time remote job at another publishing company. So that was like very fortuitous and very good of them. Right. Um, what kind of work do you do there? I'm part-time marketing. So I help with their social media. I help with their newsletter. I do kind of less glamorous, but not no less important work like data entry and working with spreadsheets, which someone has to do it, you know. Sure. And had you had any marketing background before you started that? Before that, I had a work. I had helped with the Sparkler Monthly social media newsletter, so I had some experience already. And I also lay out print books for a different company. Okay, well, tell us a bit about that. How what is what's involved in laying out the print books? Again, you can do that remotely, I guess, from like digital. Yes, it's remote. Everything I do right now is remote. Yeah, that's cool. So I got that gig because I was looking for more work because Sparkler at the time was still a part-time thing. Mm-hmm. So I sent out emails to different publishing companies, just asking them if they needed help with laying out print, laying out eBooks, because at the time I had more experience with digital layout. And I did not get any hits with that, unfortunately. But one company wrote back mm-hmm. and they asked me, hey, we don't need any help with eBooks, but can you lay out print books? And I said, no, but I'm a fast learner. And if you have a company protocol, I can put together a test product and we'll see if I'm a good fit for you. Okay. And fortunately, they bit and they said, that sounds fine. We'll get together materials. And later that transitioned into a recurring gig. Huh, neat. Well, had you set out to be a freelancer like years ago or what did you have in mind for work at the time? At the time, I did not set out to be a freelancer. Like, I wasn't directly looking for work at the time I stumbled upon that mm. paid audio intern gig. But before that, I had been reading Chris Gillibo, you know, mm. Putty Like, everything like that. And just, it had always been in my mind that, hey, freelancing would be cool someday, but I didn't know if I would actually do that. But now here I am. Yeah, that's great. Life is funny. <laughs> Yes, it's it. Especially, you know, you have these skills and interests and and when we follow our nose and and kind of find opportunities, it's it's amazing to see what can happen. Are you, I guess, satisfied then with the amount of work you're getting now or do you still look for other odd jobs, freelance contracts and things? At the moment, I have a good amount of work, but I think I will be looking for more work later on. So we'll see how that goes. Hmm. Yeah, like do you see yourself doing the same kind of work in maybe five years from now or beyond that? I have no idea. I actually don't really like questions that ask, where do you see yourself in five (laughs) years? Because I just, I don't know where I see myself in one year, you know? It's just, as I said, life is funny and you don't know where it will take you. Yeah, that's just it. I actually wanted to ask you, like, have you had any experiences like this? Just unexpected paths. Uh, sure. That's a good question. That's good. I, I, I like when people ask me questions because we try to have a, a two-way conversation <laughs> in doing this show. So, um, well, let me think. I guess the biggest for me would be in tourism. My nominal profession would be as a tour guide and essentially in tourism in general, which I stumbled into, which I always found to be kind of strange that I hadn't thought about it until it actually happened. Because I 
you know, I went to university and I got your kind of generic liberal liberal arts degree in like history and politics and economics and stuff. And because it was interesting, but I had no plan to do anything in that. I didn't know what I wanted to do when I finished school. And that was back in 2005. So all I, I did know was that I wanted to travel and see more of Canada for starters. And I guess it was a few months later, but I ended up in, uh, working in the Rocky Mountains in, um, in Alberta in this very touristy area and uh, worked at, the, at a hostel in Lake Louise, the famous place with the you know, beautiful blue lakes and so on, which got me into the tourism industry in a sense. I was working at the front desk, but because you, know, you end up talking to so many people and showing them what to do and where things are and how to get around and all that kind of stuff, uh, that led to getting to know the area for starters, making a few connections, and then getting a job the following summer as a tour guide at a tourist attraction further up the highway that I ended up really taking to, like I never even thought about being a tour guide, which is crazy because it seemed like in retrospect, it was such an obvious thing. Like I love to explain things. I love to be able to like show people around and interpret them. And especially when it comes to like travel, because you kind of get to like live vicariously through the people on your tours. They're all there on a great trip that they've probably planned for ages and save lots of money and looking forward to. And I get to share that with them. It's a wonderful experience. So that was fun. And then I kind of took that to the next level to move to Vancouver to be a tour guide there in, in the big city and, you know, really have a lot more diversity. And then from there, led on to becoming more of a tour director where I would take uh, groups of people, school groups mostly, to various parts now in Eastern North America to like New York and Boston and places like that. But I mean, I trace it all back to starting work at that hostel at the front desk, which just what led to one thing, which led to another, which I never, ever would have, have seen coming, but, um, you know, became kind of my nominal profession. I haven't stuck with it as much as I had thought I might, because part of being a tour director, of course, is that, you know, you're away all the time. You're, you're taking groups to all these destinations, right? You could be away for four or five days or even a couple of weeks at a time. So it wasn't really the most ideal when I was getting married and buying a house and most of all having kids. I didn't want to be away all the time. So uh, I settled on the job that I've had the last five years, which is still kind of an, an intense job working long days, but at least I can come, come home at the end of the night, you know, and see everybody if before the kids go to sleep, <laughs> stuff like that. But as I say, it's amazing to think of the whole path that, you know, people, people are taking on, especially though, this is the thing, right? Especially when you kind of go into your working professional life without a real plan, right? Without a real uh, objective in mind. And all of us multi-potentialites can, I think, relate to the people who say, you know, well, I wanted to be whatever, a doctor or a teacher or a lawyer or a marine biologist or something like that. And they knew from when they were like, whatever, 12 years old, 15 years old, maybe they were in university and they figured it out, but they knew. And they, whatever they're going to do, they were going to pursue that career, right? That profession, however it worked out for them, but they knew that's what they wanted to do. And I know there's some multi-potentialites for sure who are like that. It's just that they wanted to do like two or three things. They didn't just <laughs> want to have yeah. like one career, but even still, they kind of knew. And then there's the rest of us who, I mean, I, maybe we just had trouble committing to the one thing, but we had so many different ideas and options. And I learned, and I, I think it sounds like you've been the same, and I know a lot of people listening that obviously you need to find work. I mean, you're going to do something, but if you just kind of follow your nose and let things kind of fall into place, then you never know where you might end up. So 
it's all part of this journey of uh, approaching life that way, you know, of approaching your your career and how you're going to make a living in that way. So it makes for great stories for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about podcasting. I mean, that's a constant theme of this show, of course. We love to talk about it and explore it and stuff. Do you do any podcasting yourself? Do you do a lot of audio editing these days? Um, My jobs these days don't really involve a lot of audio editing or direct podcasting, which also makes me sad. I kind of miss that. Hmm. Well, hey, there's always opportunities to do it. We're always looking for people here. <laughs> Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that goes for, you know, for anybody listening uh, to help out with this show. But um, the more the merrier. It's a great group effort to put this show together at a pretty, at a steady pace. You know, it's every couple of weeks, but it doesn't kind of take over your life. So it's, it's a nice way to, to practice or just to have fun doing the podcasting for sure. But um, do you listen to a lot of podcasts yourself? I don't listen to a ton. I listen to this one and I've been listening to the Good Life Project. I've I've also been thinking of getting of trying to get into listening to Dungeons and Dragons based role playing podcasts. Hmm. But those are like can take like hours in a single episode <laughs> and yeah. it's just a big commitment. It feels like it anyway. Do you know what I mean? Oh yeah, that's true. Like there's those those podcasts for sure they're even just an hour long is can be a long time. Certainly, if it's two or three hours, it's I can't listen to something like that in one go. It can take a week to get through a whole episode. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the, I like that there is a place for that in podcasting, that people are willing to create content that's that long in one go and that people have the time and, and you know, willingness to listen to something that long. It's nice that it exists. You think about, I guess, YouTube, and there's certainly some videos that can be that long, but in, in, in video, it's like you got you to be quick. You got to do something in like 10 minutes or something or you lose people's attention and all the rest. And I mean, podcasting can be like that a bit, but I like that there's still a big part of it, kind of a niche part of podcasting that's really emphasizes the long form. It's, uh, it's nice that that's still out there, so... Well, I guess here's a question. What if you did need to find more work? Let's talk a bit about freelance work in itself because, again, it's another common theme on this show. We talk a lot about the kind of work people do and finding jobs and freelancing for sure. So if you had to look for freelancing work, uh, where would you begin? Would you rely on your contacts or networks or do you know any certain websites that you recommend? That's a good question because, as I said before, other than emailing those all those publishers and only getting one reply, mm. which was all the reply I needed, but, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And my freelancing experience has largely been left up to passion and dumb luck. You know, you don't really want to try building a freelance career or, or a series of gigs from that. Well, passion's good, though, if that translates into being committed to it and not giving up. That's true. That's a good way to look at it. But yeah, I guess, it, you know, it, it sounds like you're lucky to get that first contact. I mean, and, and you're at a point where you have enough experience with, I guess, five, six years um, behind you, not just doing that actual work, but as a freelancer. I, I would think that potential clients would respond favorably to people who know what it's like to be a freelancer, right? But That's um, true. Yeah. I mean, still, though, if you did... I mean, if you needed more work or something happened and you had to find some more, like, where would you start first? I would start with research, honestly. That's what I did with when I was sending out those emails. I researched, you know, 
mm-hmm. what other publishers might want with someone my ex- with my experience who wanted to apply. I specifically looked at comics publishers and publishers of light novels, which are basically short novels with occasional illustrations of what's going on in the book, because that was my experience. And I figured it would be good to have someone with that kind of experience. Kind of, it's very niche, but you know, it's there. Sure. And I would research, I would apply, I would not let a sense of perfectionism or imposter syndrome or whatever get in the way. And this is the pot calling the kettle black because <laughs> that ha- I let myself get in my own way all the time. And it's really not a good thing. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's true. Well, it's, at least it's good to be aware of it, though. That's a good start. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yep. You can't fix what you're not aware of. Yeah. And anyway, I mean, I've, from what I've looked into with freelancing, especially if you are starting out, but um, a lot of it is just kind of cold calling, which you would do by email, but you know, you, you do your research for sure and try to have as personal emails and requests to people as, as you can, if you're basically writing to see if they need, if they can use your services. But do you think about the rate of response even if you send out a hundred emails I mean, you might get five responses or something like that, right? Actually, yeah. that's true. I was listening to something the other day. I don't remember offhand what it was. It was just a conversation about uh, about doing that and finding freelance work. And basically, the gist was, yeah, you know, if someone sent out 100 requests, they might get five responses. That might turn into like three actual calls, say, on Zoom. And from that, you might get one actual contract. But there's your one job. There's your one job. And it might just be part-time, mm-hmm. of course, or whatever, but it's a start. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And something that just occurred to me would be to tailor however you're reaching out because nobody wants to feel like they're under... Nobody wants to receive an obvious cold email. Yeah, that's true. Even if it's clear that you're sending a cold email, you don't want it to be like, hey, I just copy-pasted this and I sent it all out all at once. Yeah, yeah, you can tell if it's that... Just find ways to kind of tailor that. It doesn't have to be super, super elaborate, but. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point too. I guess one thing I would like to mention is before we wrap up is there's this focus sometimes on skills that would benefit your work. Mm. And if it doesn't benefit something that would make you money, then it's not as worthwhile. Yeah. And I'd have to say that I don't agree because you know, first of all, work isn't everything. Mm-hmm. And second of all, you don't know, you don't know where those skills will lead you work-wise or otherwise. Like maybe it will just be something that will bring you a lot of joy in your life. And yeah, everyone could use that, honestly. And maybe it will be something that you will want to lead to a paying gig or something in the future. And that's also worthwhile. Mm-hmm. But don't try to avoid learning something or don't put something off just because you think, oh, I shouldn't or, oh, maybe this wouldn't be worthwhile because you never know. Yeah, that's a really good point. I'm I'm pretty bad about that myself because, well, I, you know, I'm trying to put together my own kind of business ideas and so on. And it's easy to tell yourself that you need to just stay focused on that and, uh, and make sure you're advancing that project, which is true. But I mean, there's a role, especially as a multi-potentialite in our brain to kind of switch that side off. It's kind of like taking a break, you know, you can go for a walk or bike ride or something like that. But uh, you could also uh, work on a completely different skill or hobby. And that might give you some more perspective on the other like main project that you were working on. 
and just kind of have that change of, of mindset. Would you say you're, you're a creative person? Like, do you like to create original things? I do, yeah. I like to write. As I said before, I like to play musical instruments yeah. and I like to write songs. I like to write poetry. Well, there you go. Do you, do you share any of that work? Not so much as you notice, just with <laughs> friends, honestly. Yeah. What about working on any other projects within the Putty tribe? Like um, there's been talk in the past about common maybe music projects or, you know, what we could do is like have a group book of some kind. And with your skills, certainly knowing the layout side of it, how to put together like an ebook, that might be a fun project, you know, maybe a poetry book or something like that. Yeah. That would be cool. Like another, I did see that we're planning another Putty Cops project at the yeah. moment. And I just peeked into that thread a little bit earlier. And it looks like we're still in the brainstorming stage, but they might have updated it since I looked at it. But to those in the Putty tribe, check out the Putty Cops. Yeah. And I actually did write a short story for the short story themed Putty Cops that they ran last year, actually. Okay. Cool. And that was a really good experience. So I recommend it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I see a lot of people uh, participate that in that, and uh, it's a great outlet for creativity and kind of getting your art out there, you know, getting your ideas out and sharing them. Yeah, in a safe space. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, that's cool. Well, hey, it's been great getting to know you after all this time. We've been chatting off and on, I think, for a few months here at least, and often about podcasting stuff. So you're more than welcome to help out with our show here, of course, if you're ever interested. It's been great to hear some of your backstory and hopefully some useful tips too for anyone out there who's doing some freelancing work or considering it. Lee is a great example of how you can take your skills and your interests and, you know, follow your nose, be persistent and see where you can get that first job, which can then lead to more things. Yeah, it's been great to be here. Thanks for having me. Great. Well, thanks very much. So speaking of the upcoming Putty Comp of 2020, this ties in nicely with our Putty Peeps of the Week this time out. We'll actually start with Rachel, Rachel D. Mark. She is our first Putty Peep of the Week. She is currently into ADHD and creativity coach training, digital graphics tools, and all things putty. She lives in Los Angeles, previously lived in New York City, Chicago, Boston, and Cincinnati. She says she can be serious, pragmatic, and witty when it counts. And this is kind of funny. She says, I have been dubbed a human Prius at work and will appear in your blind spot without making a sound. <laughs> Rachel is an artist and stop-motion puppet fabricator based out of L.A., but of course combines that with a whole number of other things, interests and skills, etc. She is a retired video game programmer. Uh, she says she's an okay carpenter, excellent painter, resentful seamstress, Pretty good traditional sculptor, a dangerous electrical engineer, reasonable production design, begrudged software developer, exhausted project manager, beginner welder, and other various miscellaneous extraneous. And then besides this expansive skill set, she's got lots of other hobbies, of course, um, including rock climbing, road biking, camping, natural history, mythology, meditation, seed pods, human-animal anatomy, comedy... Math, ge geometry, physics, games, puzzles, and riddles, brain hacks, life hacks, wildlife, sci-fi fantasy books, life sciences. She says a whole other bunch of things she can't remember. <laughs> if any of that sounds interesting, you can certainly reach out to her on the forum and also on Twitter or Instagram, where both of her 
profile names are Rachel D. Mark, R-A-C-H-E-L-D-M-A-R-K. But I highly recommend visiting her website. It's very impressive and has a really nice portfolio of some of the things that she's created and worked on. It's, again, racheldmark.com. It goes directly to her website, and you can check it out. I highly recommend it. So that's Rachel. She is our first putty peep for this week. And then we come back to the Putty Comps event that's coming up. Putty Comps is a, a group effort where the goal is to make a compilation under a certain theme, and everybody contributes various artistic and creative elements, and we basically see what we can come up with. So this is the fifth one coming up. I think it's once a year, basically, but maybe there's been a f- slightly more often than that. And the key is, of course, it really takes someone to kind of take charge and, and leadership and kind of keep on top of things, direct people a bit, and make sure things are actually happening, communication's happening, and all of that. So our party peep for this week happens to be the person who has stepped up to lead this putty comp number five, and it is Clody Cates. She is currently into digital art, learning to let go, and all things photography, and including putty comps. So there you go. She currently lives in Northern California, but this is where we have a bit of a personal connection because she was born in uh, Drummondville, Quebec, which is between Montreal and Quebec City. My wife is from very close to that area, just in the countryside, about 20 minutes away. And I lived in Drummondville myself for a couple of years, um, oh, I guess about six years ago now. It's where uh, I learned my French. C'est où j'ai, j'ai appris mon français à Drummondville. Alors, uh, bonjour, Claudie, et j'espère que tu vas bien. But she's lived in lots of other places, too, around Montreal and uh, in Quebec and in France, Spain, Switzerland, Germany, Paris, uh, Berlin, Tokyo, Milan, <laughs> London, Portugal, Los Angeles, Miami, Toronto, Vancouver, Black Rock City, San Francisco, Oakland, and now she's in Colfax, California, I guess uh, in uh, Northern California. Clody joined the Putty Tribe just at the beginning of this year, on January 8th, and of course she's already been uh, super active. She says it's all part of leaving her old life behind and everything is a brand new start. She had been dabbing into photo compositing a few times in the last eight years, and now she has picked it up again for good. Clody is really quite a visual artist. In all art mediums, she says, here are a few, sculpting, painting, drawing, metalwork, photography, sewing, resin, filmmaking. Uh, She's also into editing, Photoshop, Illustrator, Premiere Pro, things like that, even web design and WordPress. She's worked as a set designer and a prop master. She says she can fabricate pretty much anything. And if any or all of this sounds intriguing to you, which I really hope it does, you can check it out. Of course, you can go to her website. Clody has a couple sites we can share with you her own personal site, which is clodycates.com, C-L-O-D-Y-C-A-T-E-S.com. And you get some great pictures, uh, images of some of the work she's done. But then there's another another site I recommend as well. They call it a shared industrial co-workspace where artists and hobbyists can work on their own projects or collaborate with others and, you know, have the space to do it. Basically a studio and, of course, share the costs and everything as a result. It's called NIMBY. It's in Oakland, California, and when you go to their website, Clody has her own dedicated page, which has a lot more detail and examples of the type of work she's done. So we'll put the link to all this in the show notes, but you can go to nimbyspace.org, N-I-M-B-Y space.org, like NIMBY, like not in my backyard, but I guess in a fun kind of quirky way. So nimbyspace.org, and then you can search for Clody Cates, and you can find uh, her page with lots more examples. So check it out, and you'll really, really be impressed by what you see. But I'll put this out there because Clody is quite open about it. She says uh, she's also here in the Putty Tribe to help anyone in need of moral support 
during challenging life experiences and big changes. She says she's been there many a time and understands that sometimes all you may need is someone that can truly listen. So this is great. I mean, we're really looking forward to what we can come up with in this uh, edition of the Putty Comp. I believe the focus is around photography. Uh, Heather UK, who uh, led the last Putty Comp, she'll be helping out certainly in this one as well. And she says her and Clody will let us know more details as they settle into their roles and figure out the structures. And a huge thanks to Clody for taking it on. She says she's never been a technical photographer, but she's had many great results. It's all about having fun. And that's uh, it's, it's true. It's what it's all about. It's something great to look forward to. So those are our putty peeps of the week, Rachel and Clody. And thanks again to Leah for joining us today on the Multipod. Great to get to know you and hear some of your backstory and some useful and, I think, inspiring tips for any aspiring freelancers out there who are looking to uh, make their move. So, you can again, you can certainly reach out to Leah. She's, she's there on the forum. She's easy to find if you have any questions for her. And uh, hopefully we'll hear her voice again, perhaps as a guest, but maybe even behind the mic is uh, helping us put our show together too. And as always, that invitation goes out to anyone if you're interested in podcasting, if you'd like to uh, try some different skills and techniques to learn how all of this works, we are always open for any uh, help, anyone who wants to join our team. So you can leave myself a message on the forum. My username is FlyTed. You can reply to the post that uh, announces this episode, of course. You can also reach out to Vanessa, who is our co-host. And you can write us an email, themultipodcast at gmail.com. We'll get back to you right away. Thanks, as always, for listening. We'll be back again in a couple of weeks. Take care, everybody.